How's everybody doing? Praise the Lord. Good already, amen. God just gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> he gets gooder and gooder. Sometimes there's just no other way to say it. God is gooder and gooder, amen. I'm so glad all of you are here. How many is expecting God to do great things in your life? Amen. God moves with expectancy. And whenever you feel a little pushback from the enemy, just get excited. Because I tell you, God has something great that's about to manifest in your life. Amen. This is the don't give up hour. Don't give up. Don't give in. I'm telling you. Stay faithful. Stay on the mark. You know, keep doing the will of God in your life. And I'm telling you, a breakthrough is coming in your life. Amen. The things that you've been believing God for in your life is coming to pass. Because that's the kind of God we serve. Amen. I want to encourage all of you, Easter is only a few weeks away. I know, I can't believe it. So next week we're going to start campaigning and we're going to have cards for you to fill out for those that you are believing to come to Easter Sunday with you. So I want you to already be praying this week, strategizing. I'm going to be talking about manipulation, but you can break the rules just for Easter. Manipulate people to get here for Easter. <laughs> Easter should be a day where friends and families will come because they feel like that's the place to be, is to go to church, you know, at least Christmas and Easter, amen? So I want you to just think this week, who am I going to invite? Who can I have seated next to me? Who can I come? We're going to preach the gospel message. We're going to give them the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. And what better day than on Resurrection Sunday, amen? Of course, we're going to have all the fun things for the kids, but I really want you to start thinking about those that need to be in the house of the Lord. And we're going to start praying over them every Sunday. We're going to believe God they're going to be here. Nothing's going to stop them from coming. And they're going to give their lives to Jesus. Amen. We have uh, some programs that we are strategizing right now for the church because one of the big things the Lord put on my heart for our season of the church is discipleship, that we have to have discipleship for believers. And so I've been saying it for a few weeks, but we have a little pilot program going on so that we can learn the program. It's a 10-week discipleship course, and it's really going to take people through their relationship with Jesus and how to really walk with the Lord. You know, people get saved in church, but it's really hard to really understand God so we're going to offer this program and we're learning it and we're figuring it out and you will be able to be a part of it in September we want all the church to go through it so that you're a part of that and you know what we're doing but as your friends are getting saved in the church we have a place for them to go so we will help come alongside of you and discipling them and and building them up in Christ and maturing them in the Lord that's so important isn't it that as the loss is coming in that we have a place for them so if you get them here we will have a place for them to be discipled, amen. And we have other programs that we're launching and that will be right after Easter. So if you do your part, bring them in. We'll do the rest to lead them through maturity, amen. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Father, I thank you today for this awesome time to share the word of God, to worship with you. Father, we just push back anything the enemy would try to resist in this moment. God, you are here in this moment. Holy Spirit, your anointing is here in this moment. Your word says where your spirit is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And I release that over every heart here today, God. Freedom and liberty. Lord, everyone watching at home today, let them feel your hope, your joy, and your peace. And we give you praise in advance. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. How many is ready for the word of God? Thank you so much. All right, so I am part two on um, who am I. I don't know if you weren't here last week, but if you weren't, I highly encourage you to jump online, listen to the teachings during the week because it will help really add to what God is doing in your life. And they're only like 35 minutes long, so literally a car ride. Just put it on in your car or while you're cleaning or whatever. And just let the word of God, because God wants us to undo some things. You know, he wants us to lay some things on the altar in this season. And that's why at the beginning, you know, when I saw the fist close, it's like we hang on to so much. And God just wants us to by faith, let things go to him. You know, let people go. Let aggravants go. Let things that are frustrating you just go in this season because there is a churning in the spirit. You know, I feel like I'm a cheerleader sometimes in the kingdom because I can see, I can see ahead and I can, I discern what God is about to do. And I'm just like going, 
Give it all to God. You know, you just don't have time to carry the weights of the world and the pressures of life and, and being offended and all this garbage that the enemy uses. Amen. He has tactics to keep us weighted down so that we can experience the freedom that God wants us to experience. And so that's why we've got to learn to let go and let God. And so I'm going to talk about, last week we talked about the feelings of inadequacy and letting go of those places that the enemy makes us feel like we're inadequate. But today I'm going to talk about our need for control. It is such a human nature to want control of things, isn't it? Like if I can have control of it, then I know the outcome of it. At least I know how to have control of a situation, and I can figure it out. I know how I can maneuver things if I'm in control. But the second you let go of control in your life, all of a sudden you become vulnerable. It is a very intimidating place to be vulnerable to the Spirit of the Lord, to be vulnerable of your life, to really go, here it is, God. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to give my marriage to you. I'm giving my children to you. And I'm going to take off the need to control it so that now you can get in the middle of it and do what you need to do. The very area that God wants to give us a miracle in is the area we're controlling. And we've not made any room for the Spirit of God. And it's just our nature. We hang on by fear. We hang on because we don't understand and we don't want to be vulnerable. Listen, when we were going through COVID and the whole church world shifted, I had to really learn. I was hanging on for dear life. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I'm hanging on for everything that I know and how to do it and the way to do it and when to do it. And God's like, you better let that go. Because what I'm about to do in the kingdom and in my church in this season is not about the control of man. We have to have plans, we have to have strategies, but at the end of the day, you got to let go and let God. I don't know what the church is going to look like in the next year, but I guarantee you it probably won't be this pretty little church that we're experiencing today because God wants his spirit to flow in the church. God wants his freedom in the church, so we as a church have to be willing to let go of what we're familiar with and what makes us feel comfortable and say, uh-uh, I'm going to give it all to God. I'm going to give it all to God in this season. I'm not going to hang on to anything that I think I can change. I'm going to let God have it. Amen. So what do we do? I have to take my ego and I have to put it on the altar of Christ. The ego, those things that I want to control, those things that I want in my life, when I want them, how I want them, the timing that I want them, we got to let go of that and I'm going to put it on the altar. Amen. We have to be willing to sacrifice who we think we are become who God wants us to be and that means letting go and that's the scariest thing you could ever do and I've still got my hands in the air going God I don't know what you're going to do in this season but I'm not going to control it I'm going to do my best to stay in peace and trust you and let you do what you need to do amen so we need to lay some things down in our life so like I said first week we talked about inadequacy and I really encourage you to listen to that next week I'm going to talk about letting go of the right to be offended and I know nobody in this church has ever been offended, you know, but we're going to learn to let go of things that offend us. Even if they are true, we have to be willing to lay those things down. And then the fourth one, which is definitely something as a pastor I've had to work on, is our longing for approval. You know, I grew up being a people pleaser, and I've had to learn to let that go so that the fullness of God, so we can let go of just these few things in our life, you can really step into what God wants for you in this season. Amen, because it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what you want to control. When we can fully surrender to God and let him be all in our life, he will do things through you and in your family that will blow your mind. Because the word says he does exceedingly abundantly above all I could think, dream, or imagine. So if I'm going to let go and go, God, you show up. Because what I've been hanging on to, I've got very little fruit from. If anything, it's been more self-sabotaging then it's been more fruit-bearing. Anybody with me? Y'all are quiet out there. You got your toes out of your shoes. Put them back under, tuck them in. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so we're going to lay down our need for control. Are there areas in your life where you want control? Are there things that you want control in? Now, if you feel the need to raise the neighbor's hand next to you, then you probably want to take really good notes. You'd be like, this is for you. Maybe you need to take some notes for yourself, amen? So we all try to control areas of our life. What is interesting is that we don't control everything. 
You know, there's some things in your life that maybe you want to control. Like women, you probably, I don't know, maybe your kitchen is the area you're like, my kitchen better be clean and everything better be A, B, C, D and in order. And all, you want all this control in this area. And men are like, I could care less about the kitchen. Just give me the remote control. Oh, my gosh. Do you guys not like the remote control? Do women control the remote controls today in the houses or am I wrong? Oh, wow. Tides have turned. I'm sorry. Do, do men like the kitchen now? I don't know. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, just, where's my pen? I need to X that out on my future notes. That did not go well. <laughs> All right, okay, I'm going to go to page two of my notes. It says this, there's two things that we want to control in our life, and it's true. It's people or it's circumstances. People or circumstances. We want to control because we think we know best. So there may be someone in your life or in your world that there's one or two things you don't like about them, and you're just trying to help them, Right? Like you just, you just want them to see what you see and do what you want them to do because after all, you are right. We want to control people to be and do who we think they should be instead of allowing the spirit of the Lord to lead them into all truth. We are so busy being the Holy Spirit's job and trying to get in other people's business and not looking in our own life and going, maybe I have a problem of control and I can't let go and trust God. Amen? And you may have a good heart, but what happens when people don't begin to do what we think, whether in the marriage or your children or, or you're fearful or whatever it is, you begin to manipulate a situation. And we are really good at manipulation. And it could be withholding love. It could be withholding affection. It could be maybe not speaking to someone, a passive, aggressive behavior. Don't raise your hands. Or a threat. You know, you can use the dominant threat over someone because we want to control the outcome because we think it is a better way. And all that happens is it causes strife and division in relationships, in marriages, because there are just some outcomes you can't control. And all you would do is have constant frustration in your world if you can't let go and just really let the Holy Spirit move. You know, we all have the human nature of, I don't want to be told what to do. That's like my saying, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. That's human nature. So if someone wants to come at, at me and just start, you need to do this, you need to do that, and strat and manipulating me, all of a sudden I'm into a corner, and what are you going to do? I'm going to come out fighting. Because I need room for the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. I need room for the Holy Spirit to work and move in truth in me. Doesn't mean you can't offer wisdom, you know what I'm saying, but a sense of control that if you're not doing it the way I think you should do it, if it's not the time that I think you should be doing it, now we get into controlling the situation instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe in the situation, amen? So we can't control those. We want to control those that are around us, maybe our coworkers, maybe our bosses that we work for. Whatever scenario it is, we find that we want control, and we're going to talk about why here in just a little bit. And the second thing that we want to control is circumstances. How many would love to control that every circumstance in your life comes out picture perfect? And you look really good, and you have the favor of God, and you are blessed. And so we want to control the situations, but when we get in control, we make mistakes. When we try to manufacture things to look good in our life, we will make mistakes. And you have to trust God. It doesn't matter what your world looks like to anybody else. You've got to let that go. I can't wait till week four. Who cares what people think about you? It's when you go to bed at night, when you're with your husband or your wife, or you're with your children in your home, what is God saying to you? Erase what anybody else thinks, because now I am responsible to the Holy Spirit. And I'm responsible to what he wants to shine in my life, when he wants to do it, and I take my hands off the steering wheel. Amen? And I let God show up in my life. It's like these TikToks. I don't know, some of you girls are in TikToks or the reels on Instagram. And these women have like these perfect homes. Has anybody ever seen them? They're like, they're like model homes every day. They've got five kids. It's like, where's the mess? It's like perfect white paint, marble little countertops. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They've got the pantries that have perfect little baskets and the little food fits perfect in there and I'm like well where's the box for all of that because I know the whole box of that product didn't fit in that little basket but what happens is we've got this presentation that our life has to look picture perfect 
It has to look like there's no mistakes, no failures, not a dirty house. And then what happens? We're living in a false reality. And all of a sudden, I can't measure up. And all of a sudden, my life is compared to someone who's putting their highlights on Instagram or TikTok. And really, behind their counter is probably all the garbage that was on the counter, and they're hiding it. And it's true. Because some of the ladies came out and said, I know you see my perfect towels. But then they went behind the counter, and there was all their pots and pans. It was all tucked away. We all have stuff. Come on, somebody. We all have stuff. And then these ladies, they were so cute. They're like, they have like a, you know, a little house, and it's dirty, and kids are everywhere. And she's like, let's normalize a dirty house. Can we do that? And she's going through a dirty house, and kids, and and laundry is everywhere. And it's like, yes, because that's real life. You can't control circumstances. All you can do is allow God to be glorified in them. Amen? So let it go. Forget looking perfect. Forget thinking that you've got to have the perfect little family life, you know, that you've got to have marriage and two kids and the little white fence and everything that society says you have to have. And all of a sudden, you feel like you have to go make things happen because you're trying to control the circumstance to what other people think. Why make mistakes to what other people think about your life? Why do it? Just follow Jesus. Amen? We have to let go. So why do we want to be in control? Because our ego is out of control. And I made an acronym for ego, and it is edging God out. We edge God out because when I don't understand the relationship, when I don't understand life's choices, when I can't understand my husband, I want to make it all work. So I'm going to edge God out of the moment, and I'm going to take control and make it look the way that I think it should look. And you never want to maneuver your life with edging God out. Because you will always make mistakes. And there's room for mistakes. Don't get me wrong. God's grace is there. But we don't want to edge them out to the point where we go, but I just got to look good. And I got to make it right. And I got to make sure everybody thinks my life is picture perfect. And it's just not a true reality. I'd rather have God right in the center of my life, the peace of God, and maybe everybody else is questioning where I'm at. But I'm settled because I know God is right with me. Let's put God right back in the center. Holy Spirit, lead me into all truth. Like I prayed over them, you're a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. All that matters is where God wants to take you. And if God wants to give you a fine man, hallelujah. And if, not if you're married, don't get excited. This is to the single woman. But if you're living a junior, a single, embrace it. Love it. You can do so much for God. You can do so much for other women. You can rally. You can mentor. There's things you can do in this season of your life that you don't have to strategize to try to look perfect. Amen? You want to be careful because when you force God out, uh, when you force your life, a decision out of time, when you force something out of its time, it becomes disastrous. Let me say that again. When you force something out of God's time, right, It can be a hardship. You'll feel like you're growing through mud or cement. Why? I've done it. I've done it. I've tried to get things out of season. And it's hard. And there's failure. And there's things that we have to go through. I self-sabotage. There's things that happen when we force things out of the will of God. But when you wait for God's timing, when you allow God to come alongside and partner with you, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will pay every bill. You'll bump into favor. You'll have every opportunity. But you just got to walk the line and keep God in the center. You can't say, I know best. Because there's many times we don't know best, do we? We do our best, but we don't always know best. So we have to trust God. I mean, if you look at, um, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but Jacob and Esau, right? Esau um, wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. He was hungry. He thought he was at the end of his road. So he says, give me what belongs to me. And he sold everything, gave everything away for his birthright. Gave everything away. In a moment where he was vulnerable, in a moment where he didn't feel like he was in control of his life, he gave it all away. Don't give it all away because you feel out of control, because you feel vulnerable. Stay in the safe zone with God. Stay in the community with believers. Stay with spiritual authority over your life. Have mentors that speak into your life. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. That's why God gives them to us. 
Thank God I had wisdom ahead of me. My, my parents who happened to be pastors and many other leaders that I looked to that saw ahead of me that I was able to lean on their wisdom, lean on their guidance, and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and nurture in some situations. Amen. We need to stop forcing and start flowing with the Holy Spirit. Stop forcing things to happen. Allow God to move. Let it marinate, amen? So I have a scripture verse for all the controlling freaks out there. And I wrote it in the controlling freak version. Titus probably thought, what scripture is this? I hope he put it in there because I didn't tell him. But the controlling ver freak version says this, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. And lean on your own understanding. Do it your way when you want it. In some of your ways, you might acknowledge God. And you will make your path straight. Now, we can laugh at that, but how many of us do that? Like, we want to start making our own decisions when we want them, how we want them. Instead of, let's read the real scripture verse, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, my emotions, my feelings, my decisions. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding. What does that mean? I'm taking off control. I'm letting it go to God, right? And what will happen? Um, and in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say strategize a perfect Instagram page to make your path straight. It doesn't say do this and that. It says focus on him, submit to him. He will make your path straight. That means God will give every provision you need when you need it. God will give every favor to you when you need that favor. God will open up every door when you need it. Go, don't go knocking down a door because you don't know what's behind it. Maybe something that looks good and gold and glittery and cute, but it may not be the will of God for your life. So you don't want to go knocking on those doors, amen? He will make. So listen, the more you try to control, whether it be someone, something, or even the Lord put in my heart to say, feelings. Many of us control our feelings. I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm not going to trust anybody. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm going to control how I feel. So the more you want to control, the more you become afraid of losing control. What happens? Because now I understand everything. So now I'm going to be, my fear says I got to hang on some more. And the more we keep trying, keep control, we get into this cycle of fear. And we stay in this continual cycle. I'm going to control. I have sabotage. I lose friendships. I have strife and division in my family. And now we're in this circle because we can't just let go and let God do what he needs to do. We have to get out of this cycle of fear. And the more afraid you are, the more you try to control. So can you see how you can never get off this cycle? You'll constantly stay in wanting to control every situation in your life instead of trusting God. And I, I looked this up and dug a little deeper, but control is a deep, deep need that we have in our life. There's a need on the inside of us because when I'm in control, I'm certain of the outcome of things. When I'm in control, I have understanding of how this is going to go. I don't have to trust anybody. I don't have to trust anyone with my life. I don't even have to trust God. I know exactly when I behave this way, when I respond in this situation, I know what's going to happen. I can predict in my life the future. So what happens is when we let go of control, we feel out of control, we have this unsettling feeling on the inside of us. We don't like that feeling. We experience a powerful, uncomfortable tension between the need for control and the evidence of inadequate control. So now I'm saying, well, I need to let go and let God, but now I don't know what's going to happen. There's this tug of war of, I don't feel safe. I don't know how the situation is going to turn out. Is God going to show up? Is God going to speak to my crazy spouse? Is God going to meet my children? We don't know. So we live in this parallel of vulnerability. And it is so intimidating to be vulnerable because nobody wants their hearts open wide for everybody to have access to or whatever the situation is. But we have to be vulnerable to allow God to come in. 
So what happens when we're even controlling our feelings, we're not even going to trust people. We can't even trust relationships that God sends in. Maybe you've been burnt in a past relationship. If you've lived past 25, you probably have been. But we have to be willing to be open and vulnerable again. And I'm going to trust people to come into my life. I'm going to trust relationships. I'm going to trust friendships. And I'm going to maybe learn to safeguard a little better. I might learn to protect my heart a little bit better. But I'm not going to be so controlled of my life that I'm never letting love or affection or relationships come into my life. Because we all need relationships, don't we? My mic's coming down. We all need, why do you think people evade the house of God? Because they feel vulnerable. Here's my world. I, I'm going through all this stuff, and if you really saw what was going on on the inside of me, so we run and we hide and we lose fellowship and relationships because we just don't want to be vulnerable. So, all right, let's keep going here. The challenge is when we are in control in our life, and this is true because I have a type A personality and I really like my hands on and stuff. You know, I, when I was early in my early days of ministry, I had the plan of an event, A to Z. I saw it happening. I knew exactly. And I'd, I'd get in a team of people, and they'd be like, well, I don't know. I think we should do that. And I'd be like, no. And I, I kind of got, I wanted to control the outcome of what I saw. And it frustrates relationships. It frustrates working together as a team. So I had to learn to change this who I am, that I don't have to control everything. And if it doesn't turn out the way that I exactly see it, then it's going to be okay. But I had to learn to work on that in my life. So it's hard to see in the mirror if you are really moving in controlling, right, in this situation of your life. My brother used to say this to me in my early years of ministry in 20. He'd say, you have such tunnel vision. You know, I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just right. Like, I'm just, and I really thought, no, I, he's like, you just see it this way, and that's all that you see. And I'm like, yeah, because it's right. Now, in my mind at that age, it was true. I saw the right way. This is the right answer. This is the way it should be done. But what he was saying is, you've got to open up, and you've got to see other perspectives, and you've got to see other viewpoints, and, and look at their heart, and look at that situation. So I had to take my little tunnel vision of, I'm right, through my experience, and go, wait a minute. I don't have to always see that way. I can become open, and I can begin to see their heart, why that happened, why that response was, why maybe that, and all of a sudden you can have compassion for an area you were controlling that you couldn't see because you had your tunnel vision of the ego edging God out, how you wanted it, the way you wanted it, the time you wanted it, and now you can see the heart of that person and go, whoa, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I did not mean to do that. I didn't mean to speak to you that way, and I didn't mean to be harsh, and I didn't mean to save, you know, my emotions and, and cause strife. And I didn't mean to do that. I just didn't understand the situation clearly. And then God can begin to heal. God can begin to repair when we let go. And I'll tell you, you're not the only one in the world. There's many characters in the Bible that want to control things. And we're going to look at a little bit of Abraham this morning. But the first part of the story of Abraham, Abraham wanted control always. He wanted control of situations when he didn't understand what God was doing. And the first one that we, we hear of was when Sarah showed up into town. And she was beautiful and young. And, and they asked him, who, who are you? And Abraham lied and said, well, that's my sister. Abraham wasn't willing to trust God and go, well, Whatever she's going to be in this situation, let God work it out. So he had to lie and take control of the situation instead of letting God move. And so we find this pattern in Abraham's life. And as you go on, we find out that the biggest example where he wanted control is when God came to him and said, I'm going to give you a son. Has anybody ever had a promise from God? And God gave you something that was so big that's beyond what you ever could do, and it didn't come to pass yet? And it didn't manifest. And so Abraham was told, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have as many sons as the sand of the seashore. You're going to have as many sons as the stars in the sky. All this beautiful prophecy. And guess what? It didn't happen yet. And it didn't happen for quite some time. And when we're in a season where we want God and we know God said something, and we know that God wants something for us, and there's a vision and a prophecy, we got to be careful that we don't try to do it ourselves before God wants to do it. Amen? And so this is what Abraham found himself in. So he immediately, or his wife, wanted to take control of the situation. If God promised it, if God said it, then by God, we're going to do it. 
We're not going to wait for God. We're going to go ahead and take the matters into our own hands because maybe God will just bless it this way. Maybe this is the way that God wanted it. Has anybody been there before? So they tried to take control of their own destiny, and they stepped over God's promises. See, something can be the will of God, but when you step over the timing of God is where it can be challenging. And so what happened? In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, it says this. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. What was that? He had a huge spoken word over his life, a promise from God, and yet his wife was barren. There are things that you're believing God for, and you're barren, and you've not seen it yet, and that is the place that is vulnerable, because maybe you've spoken it, maybe you've told people. There's things that I know this, where this church is going, and you go, oh, God, I hope you show up and do it, because I know in the spirit what you see, but you don't see it yet. Even strategizing in the church, I, will, I told God, I will do my best to never get ahead of you to try to prove to anybody anything. Your spirit has to do what your spirit's gonna do. And so, so they were barren. So when you get barren and you're not seeing the will of God, all of a sudden you feel this necessity to move and to start making things happen in whatever it is, ministry or your private life. But she, being Sarah, had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Has anybody ever just blamed God? Happens for everybody else, but God ain't happening for me. Where's God at? I've been faithful. I've been showing up. And why hasn't this happened in my life yet? Frustration. What happens when you get frustrated? You want to control. You want to hang on. The Lord has kept me from having children. And she said, go. She didn't say, seek God. She didn't say, Abraham, go find out where God is at and what he's saying. Maybe he'll give us a time frame. She said, just go do what I want you to do. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps, is that scripture up there? Do we, we don't have that one? Oh, my gosh. It says this, I can build a family through her. Sarah said, I can build a family through her. No longer was she trusting God for the promise. She said, I can do it. How many of us have done that? I can do this thing. I can get promoted at the job. I can get favor. And is that true? Yes. God wants all that for you, but it's not about me doing it. It's about God fulfilling the promise in my life. He will put that folder on the top of the desk when it needs to be there before whoever needs to see it. God will have you bump into the right person at the right time. Your name will be in somebody's mouth when they need to hear your name. We have to trust God. You don't need to build things in your life, amen? She said, I know what God promised, but he's not doing it in my time and my way, so I'm going to take control to the situation because I know what is best. So what did she do? She edged God out. And so guess what great Abraham did? He said, okay, I'll go into Hagar, right? Abraham agreed to do what Sarah said. Verse 3, so after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. What happened after this? Incredible chaos happened for generations and generations and generations because Sarah got ahead of God, and she gave birth to Ishmael. Ishmael was never the promised son. Ishmael was not the one chosen from God. And when we get ahead of God, we introduce Ishmaels into our life. And I've always said this, counterfeits come before the real. I've been doing this a long time. Counterfeits come before the real, and the counterfeit looks good. It seems right, but it can be so deceptive because it's something we did on our own instead of letting God bring the Isaac in our life. Isaac is the promised one. Listen, the Isaac in your life, whatever it is, it's not just a person, but it's whatever, is worth the wait. Why? Because I don't have to pay a price. I don't have to go through frustration. I don't have to go through aggravation and strife. I get to just wait on the promise of God in my life. I've always said this. God knows where I live. He knows my address. He knows 949 East Bell Road, which is this church. He knows where to find me. I don't have to go try to find the promises. The Bible says they will chase me down. 
So as you are following Jesus, the promises are seeking you out. They're trying to find you. They're trying to bless you. They're trying to promote you when you allow God to do it. So what happened? They gave birth to Ishmael, which now is the Palestine nation, and and Isaac, which is the Jews. And to this day, it has been the greatest world tension of conflict ever in history. And they have tried to have peace treaties, and it's never happened over all this time. And it probably never will because Ishmael was never supposed to happen. So what happens? You start creating tension. You start creating chaos in your world, and we've all been there, right? So maybe it's not just about sleeping with Hagar, but what other things are we trying to strategize in our life? Are we trying to launch before their time, especially in the ministry realm? I've seen so many people have callings on their lives, have the purpose of God in their life, but they just needed character building. They just needed some integrity. They just needed some maturity, but they wanted to get ahead of God, and I just need what God spoke over in my life, and they hurt themselves, and they hurt their families, and they hurt people around them. I've seen so many scattered, hurt sheep because people get ahead of God. I think the most dangerous thing we can do in the body of Christ because there's so many voices now on social media and there's these videos and everybody's a prophet and all that and I'm not minimizing that but I'm just saying we have to be careful when we step into things that God has put in our heart because we can hurt people the greatest responsibility I have as a pastor and I I, you know when I took over the church you know by the way we're coming on our five-year anniversary everybody so we're going to have a big conference. I'm calling people. We're going to have a wonderful time celebrating five years. But the uh, first book I went to was Ezekiel. And I've learned that the responsibility of a person that shares the word of God, I am responsible. Their blood, if I don't tell you truth, what you do, I am responsible for. And as soon as I read that, I'm like, y'all are getting truth all the time. I will be telling you truth of the word of God no matter what. Why? Because I am responsible I don't always get it right, and I'm not going to get it right ever. No pastor or leader ever does. But there is a high responsibility when you start messing with people's hearts, messing with their families, messing with their children. I don't know why I'm going down this, but I feel a strong anointing right now. You don't mess with God's people. It is a high responsibility, and it's an honor. But I, I don't get out there to show my name and show my gift and show how great I am. No. I'm here to show off Jesus. Let's bring you to Jesus. Let's get you to the house of the Lord. Let's get you into community. Let's get you into relationships. Let's get you under a covering. Not scatter the sheep in a hundred broken directions. What happens? We have callings. There are callings and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. Allow the process. Don't take control. I'm a pastor who will say, I want you to do what God's called you to do. I will launch ministries a hundred ways as long as God is in it. I'm not here to control. I'm not here to, you know, have my own little, my own pedestal. No, I want you to flourish in your callings, but there is accountability on me, and there is a, definitely a safety net for you and for your family and for your children because people make wrong decisions. They lose their family over it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, is it? Safety, like I said earlier, there's safety in a multitude of counselors, and that's something that the church, the body of Christ, has lost during COVID. Because they all found their pastors online. They all found their voices online. They found their prophet online. They know more than the pastor's call, the five-fold ministry. We're not special by far, but we have a voice from God. And the enemy wants to eliminate that so that they can soar and do their calling instead of staying submitted to the house of the Lord. Amen? And that's just true. Then a good pastor will release you. And a good pastor will want you to do what God's called you to do. But a good pastor sometimes will say, not yet. Because I love you enough to say, not yet. Pass the test. Let go of control. I've always learned in my life that right before promotion, I have to let go of control. I have to pass the test of loyalty to God and to the spiritual covering in my life. Doesn't mean they control my life, but I'm just, I trust God. If you see it on my life, you'll see it. And I'll sit here for a year until God points me out. And then God blesses you. And then you flourish and you build the kingdom of God instead of breaking down walls. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say I love you, Pastor Barb. (laughs) Hallelujah. I just needed to hear that. Okay. So let's fast. I'll tell you honestly, you know, when when you're leading a church, 
You tell truth, and then you go home and go, oh, I just feel so bad. Because, you know, you want everybody to be happy, but there's just power in truth, isn't it? Okay. All right. Forgive me for even saying that. Hallelujah. I love you all, and you know that. And I want the best for this church and the kingdom and all that God has. So what do we do when we're trying to control ourselves? Really quick, three questions I want, I want you to ask yourself to identify when you feel you need control. Number one, is it worth my concern? Is it really my business? Or should I really be about the Father's business, right? Filter it through that. Luke 10, verses 41, um, we know the story. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. She wanted the dishes in order, and she wanted the way things always happen. And he, she said, he said, quit worrying about what your sister's doing because she's doing the best part. So you have to go, do I really need to be concerned about this? Or can I really just sit at God's feet and listen? Can I sit at God's feet and be encouraged in this season? Amen. Let things go. In verse 42, it says, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from you. Do you see how when you try to control a situation, you can't have that situation taken from you? It'll always be there. But the moment you go, I'm putting the dishes away. I'm putting those things I want control of, and I'm going to sit at Jesus' feet. And this season, in the last two years, that's literally what I've done. I've sat at the feet of Jesus. I've walked in the sanctuary and prayed. I've walked in my neighborhood and prayed. And I, try, I have a little strategy. I have things God told me clearly to do, and I'm only doing those things. The rest of me, I'm sitting at his feet. Why? Because this part will never be taken away. What we get in the moment, <clears throat> excuse me, of sitting at his feet, listening to his voice, resting, is something we can never get anywhere else but in his presence. And who wouldn't want that in the moment when you're wanting to control the most, amen? Wanting things to go back to normal. How many want things to go back to normal? We want normal so bad. And so we want to take control. So does it really matter at the end of the day, amen? Number two, is it mine to control? Is it really any of my business? Now listen, there are some things you need to control in your life, absolutely. You need to make right decisions, right? Surrendering control is not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility, okay? So there are some things you have to be responsible. If your finances are out of control, well, God, I'm going to trust you and put it all on the credit card and go to Walt Disney World. No, that's not relinquishing control. That's relinquishing responsibility. So what am I going to do? I'm going to face my finances. I'm going to go ahead and face them. It's ugly, but I'm going to get some help. I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to get control over my finances, try spending less, right? If you're worried about your kids, you don't want to control and try to manipulate, no, you're going to go to God and pray. If your marriage is struggling, get control of it. In other words, pray together. Find a book to go together. Find a marriage conference to go together. There are so many resources that you can work on for your marriage today. Well, I'm going to let God be God. No, you can get control, not of the person, but together get control. Start getting a plan to work your marriage. If your children are struggling, come together. If, if you're married or if whoever's important in your life, get a strategy to start praying over your children. God hears the prayers of the righteous. Amen? If you're single and you feel like you're never going to get afraid, just get outside. Go shopping. Go to Starbucks. You know, do some things. There are some things you can control without taking control. So let's look at this. James 4. This is so awesome. It's another control freak verse. It says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this city or that. I'm going to spend a year there. I'm going to carry on my business and I'm going to make money. What is this person? They've got a plan. And you should, but they've got a plan on how it's going to work. It goes on to say, why do you not even, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? So you don't even know. You've got a plan, and that's wonderful, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what could strike or what could happen or whatever situation is. So I'm not going to bank everything on controlling today or tomorrow. I'm going to have an order, but I'm going to let God be in control because we never really can know what's going to happen. Amen? So number one was what? It is, uh, is it worth my concern? Number two, is it mine to control? Probably not. Number three, is it for God alone? Whatever you're trying to control is it literally just only God can do what only God can do. Because there are some scenarios that really only God can do in your life. Amen? Paul told the Philippians church in uh, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. That is so hard to do, but it's so easy to preach. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is letting go, that God, only you can do what needs to happen in this situation. I know a few years back, and I was going through a lot of things changing in my life and in my world, and physically some things were happening, and I became very anxious, and I started having panic attacks, and I started losing my breath and feeling like I, I couldn't catch air, and I don't know if I ever told Pastor Jenny this story, but we had went to <clears throat> Mexico, and we went to go swim with the uh, whale sharks, and so this boat takes you out to the middle of, I say, between Cuba and Florida. It didn't go that far, but it felt like that far. We were going towards Cuba anyway. And so anyway, what happened was because I didn't have control, like there was things in my life I couldn't have control of. They were just happening. And I started in the middle of the ocean, ocean air, the best air you could ever breathe. I couldn't breathe. Did I ever tell you this story? I couldn't breathe. I was like... And my mind began to overtake me, and I was so anxious that physically my body, I thought, God, you cannot let me die in the oceans of Cuba. You cannot let me die here. Number one, I want to swim with the sharks. That's like the coolest thing ever. And number two, I want to go back home. But in my mind, I had lost control of, I went back to where I would feel safe. In my mind, I wanted to go back to where I felt safe and in control, and that was on dry ground. And there was a process to get to that dry ground. It wasn't like shortcoming. It was going to take time. And I couldn't have control. And thank God Quinn put in my, uh, my, my phone a Benny Hinn song. I don't remember what song it was. I was like, I, don't have I didn't have songs on my phone at the time. And I thought, all I can do, God, is put on this worship song because I literally am overwhelmed. I cannot breathe. And I just put my earbuds in. I closed my eyes. I began to thank God. Thank God I surrendered control. I surrendered, the need, I surrendered the need to try to go back to feel safe because I was safe, but I didn't feel safe. And that's what happens when we want control. You're safe. You're okay. But we want to go back to where we feel safe, what, what's normal. And I said, God, I just speak the peace, and I just begin to worship God. And all of a sudden, I, was, I could breathe. All the anxiety had left. And that's leaning on the peace of God. There's things that you want to take control and you want to go back where you feel safe and you want to know how things are going to happen. But we can't measure that. Just receive the peace of God. Be anxious for nothing, amen. Sometimes you just got to step into that closet, let the peace of God come over you and come back out where you can breathe. When you're trying to control what you can't control, you will become anxious. So let me ask you these questions as we're closing this morning. Can you change your spouse? No. But can you love them? Can you encourage them? Can you pour into them? You can find out their love languages and start meeting their love language. Talk about that with each other. Can God change your spouse? Yes. Amen. Can you heal your loved one? No. You can't, but God can. You can love them. You can pray for them. Can you control your future? No. But you can love God. You can let God encourage you. But who can control your future? God can control your future. Now let me close with this. You, we were talking about Abraham. Abraham, what did he want the most? He wanted a son. What did God give him? God gave him a son. What did God ask Abraham to sacrifice? His son. He came to the point, are you going to stay in control, Abraham? Or are you going to trust me? One more encounter with God. And you know what Abraham said? I'm going to pass the test. And he took the promise that God gave him. And he, did, he probably questioned in his heart. We don't know. But the Bible says he took everything necessary to sacrifice his son at the top of that mountain. And he said, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to give this thing that I love and that you promised me and that you spoke my, over my life. Sometimes God wants to know that the thing he wants to bless you with doesn't have you, that he still has your heart. And he'll require, if, I, if that wasn't there, would you still love me? If I never provided it, would you still trust me? And he walked up that mountain. His son said, hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? He said, what did he say? God will provide. He let go of control. So here this man of God is with the promise, went up, built the altar, took whatever, put his son on that altar, took the sword or whatever it was and was ready to kill the promise. And the angel said, stop. The Lord has seen your heart. 
He said, the Lord has provided for you. Look over there and there's a ram in the bush. Listen, when we're willing to say, God, here it is, he will give you everything and more that you thought you wanted by having control when you let go and let him do it in your life. Amen. Here he was. He, he was edging God out earlier, but this time he was exalting God only. He said, God, here I am. He surrendered what was valuable the most, and the peace of God came that passes all understanding. What he was trying to control that wasn't to control, he let it go and released any form of anxiety so that the promise of God could come. Why? Because God showed in that moment to Abraham that he is Jehovah Jireh and that he is the provider. Whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever your heart's desires, Jehovah Jireh has it for you. He has it for you. Just trust him. Trust him with the plan. When I took the church over, I said, God, give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. That's all I asked. And I will do my best to obey you. Say, you know what, God? I know what you have for me, but I'm going to trust you. Give me ears to hear to follow you, and I will obey you. Lay down those things that we think that we want, and let's trust God. Amen? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this challenging message to our hearts, Father God, that we need to be willing and able to let go and let you be God. And Father, whatever area we're holding on and controlling that's stopping up the well of blessing, that's stopping up the breakthrough in our life, Father God, I pray today that you give us courage and faith to open up our fists and say, God, it's yours. That person is yours, God. That situation is yours. That failure is yours. Whatever it is, God, I'm going to surrender it to you. My marriage, my children, my finances all belong to you, Father God. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come in the center of all of their life and their situation. Speak to them. Give them wisdom. Give them ears to hear what your spirit has to say, Father God. And let the floodgates open of blessings and favor and increase, Father God, all that you already have for them as they step out of the way. And we thank you for it. And if you're here this morning and you need to get right with Jesus, if you need to surrender to the Lord, maybe you're new here today and you just need to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you're just a little bit away and you need to say, I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm giving it all to him. I want us all to repeat this prayer over me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. This morning, I release the areas that I'm controlling and I give it to you. I will trust you and I will be vulnerable to you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Listen. If you want to be a part of Rooted in September, if you want to be part of a three-week discipleship program we coming up, if you just say, I need more, I want you to go to guest services, I want you to start signing up right away because we want to get you discipled into knowing more about your walk with Jesus. Amen? All right, I love you all so much. Let's welcome Pastor Paul.